0: This is John Lewis's favorite poem, Invictus. Out of the night that covers me, black as a pit from pole to pole, I think whatever God may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutches of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed.
1: Welcome to Scholastic Reads our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, editor-at-large at at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. You just heard Tybree Faw reading from the poem Invictus at the funeral for Representative John Lewis in 2020. The bond that Tybree forged with Lewis is the subject of a new picture book by bestselling author Andrea Davis Pinckney, illustrated by Keith Henry Brown. The book is called Because of You, John Lewis, The True Story of a Remarkable Friendship. Andrea is here to talk about the inspiration for the book and why she finds such hope in an unlikely friendship. Tybree first met Lewis in 2018 in Selma, Alabama. His two grandmothers had driven him from their home in Tennessee to the annual march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. The bridge was the site of an assault by state troopers on Lewis and hundreds of voting rights demonstrators in March 1965. Bloody Sunday would prove to be a turning point in the civil rights movement. Outraging the nation and leading to the passage of the landmark Voting Rights Act. Later in the episode, U.S. Representative Nakima Williams will share her memories of Lewis and explain how Tybury and other young people are following in the courageous leader's footsteps. Williams now represents Georgia in the same congressional seat Lewis once held. First, here is author Andrea Davis-Pinkney. Hi, Andrea. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Suzanne. It's always great to be here with you. Please tell our listeners about your new picture book, Because of You, John Lewis.
0: Because of You, John Lewis, I think that one thing that's important about the title is the subtitle. It's Because of You, John Lewis, the true story of a remarkable friendship. And that's The heart of the book, the friendship between a 10-year-old kid and the civil rights icon, John Lewis. I was one of those many, many people who in July of 2020 was glued to the television when this kid from Johnson City, Tennessee, he was reading the favorite poem of John Lewis called Invictus by William Ernest Henley. And it was all taking place at the Ebenezer Baptist Church, where Martin Luther King Jr. had been the minister. And I watched this child honoring this civil rights hero, and I wondered what had led him to this moment. And interestingly enough, as I was watching, my editor at Scholastic, Diane Hess, was also watching and was sending me these text messages. Are you watching? Are you watching? And uh, I think we both were having the same thought at the same time, which was, we've got to learn more about this kid. And could this be a book? Tell us more about
1: Bree and how his friendship with Representative Lewis developed. Well,
0: when we were seeing Bree, I reached out to his family who got in touch with me right away. I said, I'd love to learn more about about your grandson. It was his grandmothers who are raising him. And they were really great. And they let me know that Tybree had always been an admirer of John Lewis. And the moment that had led to Tybree speaking at John Lewis's funeral began when Tybree begged his grandmothers to drive him from their home in Johnson City, Tennessee, to Selma, Alabama, to join John Lewis on his annual march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. They got in the car, loaded up a lunchbox and a bunch of books so that Tybree could read on the seven-hour trip, you know, not really knowing if they were going to meet John Lewis. And lo and behold, they, they pull up with uh, crowds of people. John Lewis comes out of the back of a church and makes a beeline. He spots Tybree Faw, this young kid, makes a beeline for him, and they become friends. And that was the beginning of something very special.
1: It also echoes the friendship that a young John Lewis had with Martin Luther King
0: Jr. Right, exactly. So what unfolded was that Tybree and John Lewis became close friends. In my research, I learned that John Lewis himself had a similar childhood wish, which was to meet his civil rights hero, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The way that happened was that John Lewis was a teenager. He applied to Troy State University and was denied because he's black and wrote a letter to Martin Luther King Jr. seeking his advice. Martin Luther King Jr. writes back and Martin Luther King Jr. and John Lewis become friends. So the book, Because of You, John Lewis, is the parallel journeys of these, these two civil rights heroes. And I call Tybree a civil rights hero because as a young person, he's out there on the sidewalks and streets today. But the book chronicles their joint friendships with each of their civil rights heroes that kind of overlap and come together to create the friendship that they shared.
1: The book looks back and it looks forward. I'm remembering now, I think I'm right on this, that your mom was pregnant with you when the March on Washington took place, but your
0: dad was able to attend. Is that right? Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, on August 28th, 1963, um, I was about to be born, and uh, I was born in Washington, D.C. My uh, mom and my dad, you know, are civil rights foot soldiers. And they the plan was that they were going to go down and, and march with King. My mom's doctor would not allow her because she was so far along in her pregnancy. And my dad said, I've got to get down there. He did go down. He did march with King. And mom sat at home in a small efficiency apartment in inner city Washington with, the story goes, with her feet up, um, watching it on television. And, and I believe that I was, you know, kind of in my mommy's tummy hearing that speech and experiencing it all. And Lewis was at the march, too. Lewis was there. Yes, Lewis gave a speech. And um, I think that, you know, all of that just impacted, you know, not only, of course, my parents, but ultimately me. Even though I wasn't born, I heard the story growing up over and over again about these two notables, of course, Martin Luther King Jr., but John Lewis and his tremendous impact as well.
1: Could you read an excerpt from Because of You, John
0: Lewis, and set the stage for our listeners? Absolutely. So the book really celebrates the fact that Tybree is following in the footsteps of his hero. And we culminate again with Tybree kind of leading up to the moment where he does speak at John Lewis's funeral. So I'm going to read a little bit from that point on. When the world said goodbye to John Lewis, the crusader named Good Trouble When Congressman John Robert Lewis was laid to rest, Tybree Faw stepped up, stood tall, spoke. Tybree from Tennessee, he knew. Because of you, John Lewis, we shall not be moved. Because of you, John Lewis, we can all look to the sky. We can all rise up. We can all fly. Do you see it up there, the wide, wide blue? Because of you and you and you, we will lace new shoes cross big bridges, wake up, wish, and march toward a brighter tomorrow. And that's what Tybree does. He, he wakes up, he wishes, and he marches toward a new future. That's wonderful, Andrea. Tell us how Tybree is carrying Lewis's activism forward. Well, Tybree is a remarkable kid. He, he is out there On the front lines, he does every year go to the annual march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, but he's doing so much more. He is speaking out on climate control. He's speaking out on rights for women. He's speaking out on community engagement. He is enlisting his friends. He's out there with his two grandmothers, by the way, Uh, again, on the front lines, sidewalks, streets, rallies, marches. And he has since told me that He felt that when John Lewis came out of the back of that church on that day and walked right up to him, he said he knew that he had been chosen for something very special. And indeed, he has. What an
1: inspiration. The illustrations by Keith Henry Brown are pitch perfect, too. They capture the charisma and humanity of these two friends and leaders. Can you offer insights into how Keith approached the
0: story? Yes, you know, Keith Henry Brown, let me say, when I learned he would be the artist for the book, I, I was just delighted. I, I could think of no better choice. Keith is the creative director of Jazz at Lincoln Center. All of us have seen many of his editorial illustrations in the New York Times. And what he has done with the narrative is he has created his own visual story. He uses watercolor and uh, pen and ink. And what he's done so beautifully is He has chronicled the history and the illustrations are somewhat journalistic. At the same time, he has created paintings that are of of a spiritual nature, if you will. One of my favorite illustrations in the book is kind of a a bird's eye view of young Bree walking, you know, casting this long shadow. And uh, again, you see kind of him, the young boy, Creating a new future, you know, creating new footsteps of his own. And, uh, Keith has really brought that to life. He also really, in his illustrations, Keith pays homage to the ancestors. There's an illustration. Again, I, I won't ruin it. You kind of have to look at the book, um, that includes African American notables from the past and weaves in the image of Tiberi. So Keith Henry Brown has done a beautiful job. It is cinematic, historic and very memorable. I
1: absolutely love this book. There's also a lot of great biographical information in the back with a timeline and photos. How do you envision families and educators sharing all of the rich information with young
0: readers? Well, the section in the back does provide a, a real chronicle, a real history of John Lewis and his civil rights journey, Ty Bree and his civil rights journey up until this point. And, you know, the book is a tool. I, I hope that teachers, parents, of course, kids themselves will use it as a roadmap. We we'll use it as a guide that says, because of you, you know, young Michael in, in Brooklyn, you know, because of you, you know, young Tanya in Ohio, because of you, young Gabrielle in Los Angeles, because of every child, you can all wake up, you can all march, you can all stand up, speak up, have your voices heard. And I hope that kids will be inspired to follow along with Tybree Faw and say, our voices matter. You know We are the thought leaders of tomorrow and the future can be very bright when we take those steps and, and move it forward.
1: We absolutely need this generation to step up. Yes, we really do. Thank you so much for being here, Andrea. Here now is Representative Nakima Williams of Georgia. Hi, Representative Williams. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very well. Thank you. I'm really delighted to talk with you about your role in Congress and about your memories of Representative John Lewis. So take it away. Let's start with tell our listeners a little bit about your role in Congress.
2: Hello, everyone. I am Congresswoman Nakema Williams, and I proudly serve Georgia's 5th Congressional District, where I have the honor of following in the footsteps of my mentor and my friend and my hero and predecessor, the late Congressman John Lewis. I am a freshman member of Congress. I'm the freshman class president, and I serve on the House Financial Services Committee and the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, And because I like to take on all of the jobs, I'm also on the Select Committee of the Modernization of Congress because I understand that I'm operating in a system that was not designed by or for people who look like me, but I'm determined to make it work for all of us.
1: My goodness,
2: that is a lot. What would the modernization of Congress entail? So making Congress work for the people, it means how do we digitize a lot of things that have ordinarily and historically only been on paper? We, I know that a lot of people that will be listening to us understand that we live in a digital age. And I mean, I don't know the last time I went into a bank branch, so I do everything on my phone. And so thinking about how do we modernize Congress so that it is more responsive to the American people?
1: What about representation and making sure that everyone's voice is heard?
2: I think what we're seeing now, and it has been cyclical because what we see is things that have happened in the past are recurring now. And so I think the more that people are using their voice to be involved in our government, the more responsive our government is to the people I know that I represent a very historic district here in Atlanta. We're the cradle of the civil rights movement. And we have always been very engaged and on the front lines of social justice issues and bringing equity and justice to this country. And so, being in Congress now and the the times that I'm here, that I'm serving, it is very reminiscent of things that I've. I've heard from people that I've learned from and the shoulders that I stand on, like Congressman Lewis and like so many other civil rights leaders, about not just voting, but young people getting engaged and using their voice and making sure that they are heard in our civic engagement process. Like We, we have an obligation to make sure that we, as Congressman Lewis would say, make good trouble and find a way to get in the way. When did you first meet Congressman Lewis and tell us a little bit about him? So I first met Congressman Lewis as a member of the Young Democrats of Atlanta. I grew up in Alabama, so I always knew who he was, but he was always this bigger than life person. I mean, a hero for not just me, but for the not just the country, but the world, the conscience of the Congress. And I remember having an event called The Future is Blue many, many moons ago um, when I was starting in Georgia politics. And he was the guest speaker. And after that, I only knew him like from this person who would come and speak at events and do things. And then in 2007, we were leading up to the presidential primary race, the 2008 election. And Congressman Lewis endorsed then Senator Hillary Clinton for president. And he had a staff person, Leslie Small, who I have now been married to for 12 years And on that staff, Leslie was assigned to come over and to report back and let Congressman Lewis know exactly what was going on in the campaign. And I was a huge Hillary Clinton supporter. And Leslie was not, but Congressman Lewis was. And so he would come over every day and like I got to know Congressman Lewis because he was involved in the campaign and then Leslie was there and Leslie and I started dating and it kind of morphed into much more than just dating because now we have a very vivacious six-year-old son, been married 12 years. But through that with my then boyfriend, future fiance and husband working for him, I got a chance to really get to know him on a very personal level. And I became like a extra staff person. When we were going to events, I was always there. He would say, well, where's Nikima? Is Nikema coming? And he became my shopping buddy because Leslie didn't like to shop, but somebody had to go with him. And so tag, I was it. And <laughs> we would always catch the the best sales at Dillard's, a local department store. And I mean, I really got to know him on a very personal level. How did you then become the
1: representative who would take Congressman Lewis's seat in the House.
2: Over the years, in my involvement with the young Democrats turned into grown-up Democrats. And in 2019, Congressman Lewis endorsed me to be the first Black woman ever to chair our state Democratic Party, and he helped me get elected. And he endorsed me in my very first run for office as a state senator and was there with me every step of the way, hosted my very first event. And was there the day that I was sworn into the state Senate. And then in 2020, as chair of the party, that day that we will all remember, July of 2020, Congressman Lewis passed away and the Democratic Party was obligated to find someone to replace his name on the November ballot. And I can hear the words of Congressman Lewis very clearly when he tells us that oftentimes you don't choose the moment, the moment chooses you. And I, because of the help from Mr. Lewis, I was then the state party chair and the executive committee of the Democratic Party of Georgia thought that I was the best person out of 132 applicants to be the name on the November ballot in the general election. And then I was elected overwhelmingly with 85 percent of the vote to be the member of Congress serving in Georgia's fifth congressional district.
1: Congratulations. What, what a great story. I am sure that Representative Lewis, in this long struggle for civil rights and equality, had to have moments of great discouragement and despair seeing the state of things. How did he maintain his courage and persistence through it all and continue to fight? Tell us about his makeup. I mean, that to me is something so extraordinary. There
2: are- Lot of people that you look up to. You meet your heroes in person and then they're not really who you thought they were. But Suzanne, Congressman Lewis was everything that you imagine him to be and more. He wasn't that person to disappoint you because you find out, well, they're not really as good of a person as you once thought. But he was always there for people and he always, he was the jokester. He was the, the person who leaned on family, like the trips to Alabama to go to rural Alabama to hang out with his family, which kept him grounded. And just looking at all of the things that he had to go through, I remember just recently having a conversation with, with Jim Clyburn, who was also a part of the civil rights movement. And he said, Nakima, back in the day, I practiced nonviolence as a tactic because I knew that's what needed to happen to get things done and to be taken seriously. But John Lewis really lived it and believed it. And it was in, at his core. He said it was a tactic for him, but it wasn't just a tactic for Congressman Lewis. It was actually who he was. And he believed in peace and justice with every fiber of his being. And so he understood that this work was ongoing and that our fight and our struggle wasn't just a struggle of a day, a week, or a month, but it was a struggle of a lifetime. And so he was literally willing to dedicate his entire life to perfecting this union, this country that we all call home.
1: Now you've risen to the House of Representatives. What advice do you have for Ty Brie Fah and other young activists who also want to make a difference?
2: First, Ty Brie has become a fast friend, and we had an opportunity to go to Selma together this past March and march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge together. And I have a, a six-year-old son, Carter, and Tybree took Carter under his wings and let him hang out with him so that Carter didn't have to be with the grown-ups. Just watching Tybree and what he's going to bring to this country, I am so optimistic for what the future holds, especially with his grandmas, the love that they give to him and the opportunities that they, the doors that they open. But Tybree shows us exactly what young people are capable of in this country. He didn't know Mr. Lewis, read about him, saw him speak, decided that he was going to make him his friend. And I think we should all have the optimism and that children still have in this country, knowing that anything is possible and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it done because no is not the answer when you're fighting for justice and equality. We have so many children, students I hear from that write me letters. I had a group of students that wrote me a letter about the environment and they just wanted to know how do we make sure that we keep our communities clean. They wanted to make sure that they could go swimming in clean water. And they wrote me these letters, their teacher posted them on Twitter. And so I showed up at their school so that we could talk about legislation that we can do together. So don't ever underestimate what you can do with your voice and raising concerns and issues that matter to you. These were elementary school students. And we see so many students, children changing the world just by making their wishes and their concerns heard. And we all have an obligation, no matter where we are on this journey towards justice, we all have an obligation to speak up and find a way to get in the way. I love that. Find a way to get in the way. Thank you. Thank you.
1: My great thanks again to author Andrea Davis-Pinkney and Representative Nikema Williams for joining me today. And thank you for listening. To learn more about John Lewis, Tybree Faw, and the fight for social justice, check the show notes or go to scholastic.com podcast. Special thanks to producer Bridget Benjamin, associate producer Constance Gibbs, sound engineer Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.